Negotiating with Brownies, a comprehensive history of the work of Human House Fay. In southern West Virginia, there is a small community hidden in the wilderness with less than 500 human residents. Some say its people are outnumbered and surrounded by another kind of inhabitant, a mysterious kind that thrives in every kind of darkness. In fact, it's a hotspot for these creatures, the paranormal. Within the little village of Bud, a past a gas station and a cluster of homes and to the left of a church, there's a dirt road, narrow, rugged, and steep. The path veers and goes up and up and up. Bud Mountain and its cemetery are its most animated locations after dark. Inside and outside of the fencing, beside and atop the fresh graves and old stones, hugging wet tomb in the dirt road and swaths of lit candles, while hanging pieces of cloth and curtain of little bells are excellent methods of seeing the unseen. Candlelight is the most efficient method in places like this. Open, dark clearings. West Virginia natives have many superstitious and rituals regarding the dead and their wayward spirits. Some of these practices are effective, others only a placebo, some completely misguided. All, however, display a misunderstanding of what the paranormal actually are. The forms and function of these nefarious characters are astoundingly different from those indigenous to the earthly plane. With this in mind, it is more surprising that humans have gathered any accurate understanding of the entities at all. As the crescent moon rises, a small group of humans have gathered in the middle of their edifice. Teenagers enjoy the thrill of ghost watching and calling, fearing no real danger but the idea of embarrassment. They chatter in low tones, some more nervous than others. The moon displaying in peak size and light, all growing quiet. They wait to meet an unusual figure, one bound to the soul of a traveling salesman. Berg Hammond was a beloved peddler in the 19th century. He traveled to the countryside of West Virginia, going farm to farm and village to village with necessities, minor luxuries, news, and his lively personality. Known to entertain with stories and song, Berg most excited his hosts with instruments he bought for sale and display. The fiddle, however, was his and his listeners' favorite. He never, ever turned down an opportunity to show off. 
Eager to make it over the mountain and further down the road, Berg declined an offer to spend the afternoon at a local farm. Hours later, he regretted that decision. A nasty storm building up and thundering overtaking him by sunset. The storm peaked at the worst part of the trail. Crossing Bud's mountain in his horse-drawn carriage wagon was even more treacherous with rain battering the path and wind in his eyes. While he would normally pull over and wait out the storm, he knew a friendly home would offer him respite just on the other side. A dry, warm, cozy place. He had made the journey many times. He could do it with his eyes closed. On a craggy, flooded section of narrow road, lightning struck. No matter how confident the peddler was, he had no bearings on his steed. Panicked, the horse leapt and slipped in the dirt path. In a frenzy, it fumbled and ran, gaining its footing and reaching the peak. But the animal had no intentions of stopping. The horse, buggy, and poor Berg Hammond flew over the edge, tumbling over the mountainside. In the morning, heavy fog lingered and caressed the wreckage. The bodies were not discovered until afternoon. The peddler and his famous fiddle were laid to rest in a humbly marked grave. But that was not the last they heard of the man. As others have died in dark places, perished in particularly violent ways, or during intense emotional states, his soul was captured and bound to another. On stormy nights, locals and travelers claimed to hear music being strummed on top of the mountain, echoing across Bud. If it's investigated, no music maker can be found on the trail, or in the cemetery, or anywhere near the peak. Though on these nights, the area makes one feel uneasy and watched. Back at the graveyard, the group grows restless. One stands, others being snickering. A few eyes grow large. There's a second part of the legend. While the fiddler may be heard on a stormy night, he can also be summoned and seen if asked at another time. Berg Hammond, let me hear your fiddle. All stills expectantly. The people, the woodland creatures, even the insects in the wind, the candlelight doesn't waver. Several heartbeats pass with no answer. One of the group shouts, causing one more to scream and others to laugh. Unbeknownst to them, one by one, the candles extinguish. And a presence draws near. The growing darkness catches a girl's eyes. Her mouth dry. She struggles to alert the others. Gasps and incredulous comments echo through the trees. Surely someone is playing a joke. Surely it is the wind. When multiple strong souls seek the presence of Vortivia, even one who is malignant, they draw others to them. These others are lesser-known beings who need not fame to survive, but fear and sometimes flesh. As the air around the cemetery grows cold, the creatures are forming corporeal forms, growing bolder as uncertainty. Alarm builds in their prey. The candles extinguish from multiple directions, causing their onlookers to huddle together. Close to the mausoleum, a ring of light remains, holding its victims captive. In the distance, 
A fiddle is heard playing an upbeat tune. A pale, rotund glow shimmers near the mountain's edge. It draws closer, but no distinct features can be seen aside from the arm swaying back and forth, playing an invisible instrument. As his song ends, he bows and flails backwards off the edge of the cliff, and the remaining flames simply extinguish. As soon as night envelops, numerous figures appear alongside the group's shrieks. They neither moved to the location nor floated from the ground, but simply decided to be seen. They were in attendance from the very beginning. Standing in a circle, no closer than the waxy arrangement, the forms are dressed in black and talking amongst themselves in hushed tones. Unlike the fiddler, they are a dim gray and more human-like. One of the eerie characters stepped forward with a shovel in hand, walking a foot away from the frozen huddled masses in tears. He delves into the earth with his tool, eliciting a wail from the mourners. Each thunk of the shovel sends another into grief. Soon the chorus is so loud it overrides one internal monologue and pulls the same heavy-hearted cry from every observer, even the non-human ones. As the shovel continues to thunk and to thud, the dirt under it moves to its own accord. Rotting hands and tattered sleeves protrude from the black soil, clawing, pulling to be unearthed. The sight is so unexpected and unnerving, it was impossible to note the change that took place. The mourners now gone. The cemetery is quiet, except the shh, 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 shh of the squelching body pulling itself from the grave. Trooping over each other to flee, the entity grabs a hold of an ankle and digs its nails deep into the bone, sending unthinkable pain to its prey's leg. It moans, pleading, What's happening? Take me home! Kicking free and scrambling away, the boy backs in against a headstone and stands, turning to deliver another attack to escape. However, it too has vanished. The pain still seething, he pulls up his pant leg not to find a mark, not a drop of blood. Only cold, sweaty skin. Bud Mountain is an ideal location to begin the study of Voritorbita, the life-eating ghosts, paranormal entities, Home to a few non-violent varieties, Bud boasts ghosts, phantoms, and white dog-shaped specters. Fairly active, mild feeders, these beings exhibit the exceptional cooperation found in elite paranormal communities. They lack a figurehead or a master. They're referred to as dead towns, as they work to ensure all members have access to a constant satiating source of food. They take turns as lookouts for danger and aid one another in reproduction. The study of paranormal entities is a new science undertaken by the Order of the Belly Raven. These educational tapes will follow along with our journeys, convey findings, and document human-paranormal relationships and stories. The first of many recordings, Series 1, seems to collect and investigate beings residing within West Virginia. Greetings listeners, you're listening to Forfend. This episode, Demystifying the Dead. Demystifying the Dead and its educational resources are funded by the Kingdom of Neri, the Valley Raven Patreon, 
And members of the order are Daniel Berry, Ronald Miller, Tracy Puckett, T. Carter Ross, and listeners just like you. This is Wookie Nickel Twiggle Snap inviting you to stay tuned. There is much to uncover and learn about the Vora Torvita, but it is best to start from the beginning. Found throughout the world, paranormal beings are creatures that do not naturally reside on the earthly plane of existence. In fact, they only first entered the earthly realm in 4000 BC, thousands of years after the first arrival of the Fae. You see, reality is compromised of layers that are compressed. Each slice contains its own organism and fundamental laws, though the closer one layer or dimension is to another, the more commonalities they tend to experience. Think of it as compressed realities, if you will. These various realities do share one unique commonality, the shape of the universe. This makes traveling from one layer to another extremely difficult, risky, and largely mysterious. The Fey Realm, or Home Realm, is a layer that lies atop the prosaic, or earthly realm. Fey have traveled to this other dimension several times in recorded history, three of which were notable mass migrations. In these instances, a tear opened in the boundaries separating the two realms creating a force that consumed creatures and spewed them into the prosaic world. These events provide only one directional travel. No records exist of a tear depositing into the Fey Realm, only removing. A method to transverse the dimensions without a tear has not been discovered. In short, no Fey who has ever entered the Earthly Realm has ever returned to the Fey Realm. Below the prosaic realm is the Devouring Room, where the Voratorvita reside. Unlike the Fey, dimension hopping is vastly different and easier to accomplish. First, their fluidic forms allow them to completely or partially phase into the earthly plane. Secondly, their bodies can withstand and recover more traumatic events associated with realm transitioning. This permits more frequent travel for some species or the ability to live between realms. Additionally, the divider between the prosaic and devouring is exceptionally thin. This allows unsuspecting creatures of both dimensions to fall, if you will, into developing or healing micro-tears. Many are trapped for the rest of their days, including sentient beings like the Fae, or humankind. Note that of these three realms mentioned, the Fae realm, the prosaic realm, and the devouring realm, the prosaic, which is where mankind resides, lies in the center. This weak boundary has lent the Voritorvita an advantage. The most intelligent of their kind has discovered how to purposefully cross and return, sometimes on a whim. Certain types of paranormal entities seek a life or time in the earthly realm for a variety of goals, most fixated on gaining power of some kind. Though an expedition has not yet been planned, discovery and experimentation of crossing points will yield enough knowledge to confidently plan an excursion to and from the paranormal's world. Traveling between realms is certainly a dangerous undertaking, however, as outer-dimensional beings sometimes cannot survive where they end up. 
such as Waterfolk in the Middle Ages, yet the Vorat Torvid have thrived in the prosaic realm. Like Fae, paranormal entities do not follow the same laws of nature earthly beings must adhere to. Thus their lives little resemble those we were well acquainted with. The differences within their kind yield numerous innate advantages over those unfamiliar with their capabilities. Little is known of their needs, behaviors, and functioning. For now. What is known is that the creatures imitate life or visions of life on Earth often emulating the recent past of their arrival. They build a knowledge base by reading the minds and memories of sentient creatures they come in contact with. Most entities keep the same guise for their entire stay in the prosaic realm. More intelligent creatures, however, change their appearance and behavior to more aptly survive. Almost all are tied to low points in history. So, there you have it. Attracted and deeply connected to death, darkness, misfortune, emotions, and deception. Next time, we will touch on essences, human Voritorvida hybrids, and begin investigating Charleston, West Virginia.